Welcome to the Bridge to Branches podcast. You and your entirety are welcome here, no matter who you are, where you're from, or what you've been through. On the Bridge to Branches podcast, we believe every mental health experience is valid and has power. If you are tending to your mental health, you are smart and brave. If life is a tree, mental health is the bridge from the roots to the branches, connecting where we've been and what we've been through to its impact on the world, spanning outwards. Mental health is the bridge to your destiny in this world. Join us in talking about it. Content warning for this episode. In this episode, you will hear of the context and impact of a traumatic brain injury. Hi everyone, Alex here. Thanks so much for being with us. Today on this episode, we have Rachel Mundus. Rachel is a public health dental professional currently working on her Bachelor's of Science in Dental Hygiene at the University of Michigan. Rachel's an extrovert who loves people and art. She identifies as a bodhisattva of the earth and is working to deconstruct white supremacy in the public health sector of Michigan. Rachel's personal mental health journey has helped her understand others more deeply and to tackle her own self-doubt. Thanks so much for being here. We hope you enjoy episode nine. Can I ask your preferred pronouns? Sure. She, her, and hers. Great. Thank you. So let's kind of jump into just like the first question that I like to ask folks on these on these interviews, and that's what does mental health sort of mean to you? Either how do you define it? How do you relate to it? Like what does that term mean to your life? That's a really great question. Um, to me, mental health is intrinsic in our abilities to navigate the world and um, to form relationships and to feel validated and to be able to go through the world with um, an outlook that is, I guess, healthy. Um, and health, you know, is a spectrum. So as is mental health, um, it's impossible to know what people are going through and all of their histories. And um, I think it's really deeply tied into um, their whole being. So to me, mental health is something that is completely important to myself and um, and I feel to everyone, even if they're not aware of their status. Totally. 
that makes a lot of sense. Like it's a very personal mm-hmm. thing for each each human on the planet, each being. Um, I would totally agree. And I'm curious, I'm curious on what's your kind of view on the term mental illness and is that something that you even use in your in your you know, your lexicon or is that a term that you relate to in any way or how do you how do you use the term mental illness? Well, mental mental health, like I said and I like I believe is a spectrum. So along with health, um, there can be illness and there there doesn't have to be, but um, illness can come in many different forms and um, and depending on you know someone's brain chemistry, also someone's um, emotional stability can tie into the mental wellness here. But for me, I use mental illness when myself or somebody else is struggling to uh in a realm of i guess the the opposite of wellness so when somebody is dealing with something really facing instability that's when i believe the illness can come in um i have seen mental illness play out and i've also you know hope to be a part of some people's and even my own um, struggle from going from illness to wellness. So um, I think mm-hmm. it's just this complete spectrum that can encompass so many different things. And once you have been diagnosed with a mental illness, um, for me, doesn't mean that, you know, you have to stay there or are confined to that diagnosis at all. Totally. I love that. It's not like a death sentence or something. Right. Yeah. No, I hear you for sure. So when did your mental health journey begin? I totally hear you that it's like a spectrum and it's like everyone defines that in different ways. But to you, when did your mental health journey begin? Well, I was aware of... Um, my mental health state from a very young age. Um, I was able to experience um, some anguish as a kid, um, especially around, I guess you could say school, like academics. Um, I felt that I was put into... um, a position in the public school where, you know, we all perform at different levels and at different times. Um, But I was really, I really noticed that um, my academics, specifically in math, was um, I wasn't as quick as to receive the answers and to kind of be able to think through these these problems as the other kids. And that was pointed out to me at a very young age, maybe in second or third grade. And so what that did was um, it translated into 
um, a seed of doubt being placed into my life based on um, this not being able to, you know, get the answer as quick as other kids, which made me think that I wasn't going to be able to do what I wanted to do in my life because I wasn't um, as good at math as other kids. And so um, I can remember, you know, being really upset and thinking that my life was worthless um, at that age. And so that was that was when my mental health journey began um, because the mind is is extremely powerful and if we don't and if we let it um, shape our life then we will just go along believing what the mind tells us yes mm-hmm. agreed <laughs> so I feel um, at that time that that doubt seed was planted and I really struggled with this um, based all around this academic um, achievement gap that this, you know, self-prophesizing I'm bad at math um, translated into my academic career, which um, I'm I'm still, you know, in my academic life. So, um, so it has been just this like epic journey of being able to control my mind. Um, and throughout that, you know, throughout my life and throughout that journey, I have the the great privilege of being exposed to um, a mental health situation which resulted in a traumatic brain injury and a um, a period of time that I was in a coma and was able to recover from um, fully. So I feel extremely blessed to have had that experience, which in retrospect put me on the right track to end up healing my my first, you know, mental illness, which was this doubt and depression that I dealt with as a kid, um, which kind of, you know, had ballooned into um, deep depression and anxiety while I was in college trying to fulfill my my academic Hmm. Yeah, I, I noticed that you used the word privilege, and that's such an interesting kind of like perspective to have on something that sounds like it was. I mean, it's a traumatic or a traumatic brain injury, like something that is so traumatic. Um, I wonder if you could talk a little bit more on about how it like redirected you, as you say, like why you use the term privilege. If that, that was a privilege for you. Sure. So I mean, when when you face you know big, crazy health and even other challenges in life, at first it at first it can seem like the worst thing that's ever happened to you. And at the time, it did. Um, I was a 
junior in college and um, about to take um, the dental admissions test to get into dental school and which has been my goal um, for as long as I can remember and um, just about three months before that um, I was skateboarding and was launched off of my board wasn't wearing a helmet and um, you know was just sent into you know the, the other realm um, the time without time and what it did was I lost my short-term memory so I was unable to um, take my dental admissions test and I was able to graduate um, with my bachelor's um, which had which took that that next extra year to do so um, at the time it seemed like a pushing my life back and you know as a in, in my early 20s I was 21 um, it seemed like you know the only thing that I can do now is continue to fight for my mental health so I you know I I just turned it on like I was determined to use this this as my springboard to go harder to get my dental admissions test done to pretty much rehabilitate my brain as best as I could so um, I just dove full force into um, a profession which I had um, been you know volunteering with which is dental assisting and um, I decided to use my dental assisting um, career I guess or just kind of dive into that to be able to help my brain recover um, and that field specifically dentistry is um, it's really important that you have your short-term memory so so yeah it became you know and I, I was continue to take classes at um, you know at the the highest natural science undergraduate level physics microbiology anatomy physiology um, all of those courses I I kept taking and retaking um, I ended up taking microbiology three times at the university level um, to get the A because I knew that to be accepted into dental school I was going to have to get my GPA up so um, along with this fighting spirit that came out to make my dream come true and pushing my time frame a little slowed down you know because I couldn't get into dental school right away um, 
And so I had applied to dental school and I didn't get in. Um, and so that also sent set me back to, okay, let's let's continue to make this happen. Let's do more. Let's figure out um, what the dental field is really needing now that I'm, um, because I had, once I moved, once I graduated from college, I moved to Detroit. Um, this was in 2012. So um, I was really critically looking at, you know, while I was trying to get my grades up, I was doing, um, taking classes at Wayne State and, um, and volunteer dental assisting and really learning that. And then I moved into being a full-time dental assistant um, after losing several jobs because of the, um, you know, lack of short-term memory. However, once I moved to Detroit and really looked at, you know, my field, my passion, where we were at and who was delivering care, specifically who is delivering, delivering care to people that don't have commercial insurance, um, my passion was ignited and I immediately connected to a population that, you know, was in need of dental care and my field wasn't providing it. And so this allowed me to see that, oh, wow, I actually can be beneficial here. And I can even do this. I can even help people into dental care without becoming a dentist. And my whole life, you know, my whole um, dreams and aspirations shifted into public health dentistry. And so I really owe this, um, this brain injury because I slowed down and was able to look critically at, you know, what I was doing with my life and where it would be, where I wanted to, or where, where it felt right for me to provide care. And then it just allowed me to see this perspective of, from, from a patient's point of view, um, whereas, you know, as a youth, you're, you know, you're, you're sometimes impatient and it's hard to understand others who, you know, are slower or who, who don't, you know, have the same mental capacities as you, but through going through, you know, at least a, a seven-year recovery, of my mental health process or my mental processes, I was able to gain this sense of, you know, just straight up patience for people and understanding that, you know, not everybody is, is, is on your level. And so how is it, you know, that, that I can meet people at their level? And I also, um, attribute 
that knowledge, that understanding to working in Detroit with the people. Um, you know, I, I ended up leaving my dental assisting jobs and taking a public health position for a community mental health agency. And I just fit right in. Um, I made a vow to start a dental program for this agency. And I worked every day to make that happen. And um, it took me three years, but I completed that project um, because, you know, it was a, a, a project of passion and love. And I feel like I wouldn't have been able to do that without having the course my life took, um, which pretty much started with, with this big, you know, huge mental illness that I had experienced. Wow, that's such an inspirational story, Rachel. And in terms of like saying that you're on like a different level or on another level of other people, it's, that's what I think of when I think of in terms of spectrums. Like there aren't, it's not like this like hierarchy of levels, like I'm on a level above you and you're below me. It's like levels that are all over the place, and it's like a multi-dimensional mm -hmm. type thing. Everyone is on their own level, and there's no comparison. Like we're all completely on our own journeys, I think. And yeah, just as like a quick side note, we're all we're doing this call um, not in person right now, even though we're all relatively in the same place. And I just want to bring Ariel into the conversation. Um, Ariel, do you have any questions? I guess I was just, I wanted to just say, like, and in accordance with what you just said, Alex, like, just feeling very grateful to Rachel right now for doing this interview. And I know it's, like, very interesting just talking without being able to see each other. Mm -hmm. And I think that, like, we're just doing a great job of just being very, like, just taking it as far as we possibly can and just being present with each other. And I'm I'm really impressed by what you're saying, and I think it's really beautiful. Like, just even from the beginning, I noticed you said something about with mental health or illness, how there's just so much about a person's experience that we can't see, you know, that doesn't meet the eye. And mm -hmm. I just think from the beginning, your perspective about mental wellness or mental illness is just very beautiful and when you were talking about your experience of school when you were younger you know and then forming like you had this like very concrete experience of like this seed of doubt that was planted in your life from a young age and it just like something that I'm thinking about a lot lately um just in terms of some of the my own work that I'm doing is just like how much the academic system the way that it is you know in the traditional way impacts our experience of our lives because we're we spend so much time in school and we're we spend so much time developing our identity based upon like this environment that we're inside of for so much of our lives especially like when we're younger so you're even saying like that you you learn differently you know you have like things brought to your attention when you're younger and it starts to shape your identity and there's so many you know like little little kids really that have this type of thing going on all the time where it's like I'm different I'm doing something different and then 
we have this we have the academic system in place and then we have the mental health system in place that we then just start to pull out of people um we start to pull out of life like an identity that's kind of based around like we do things we might potentially do things differently than the most traditional way that it is and so i think you've done a really like extraordinary job of just like meeting all the doubt that you discovered or that you like developed when you were younger and just like meeting it head on and just like your whole journey and i haven't even gotten to like um just like the story you were telling about your traumatic brain injury which i think is like so remarkable as well but just the fact that you were able to continue onward with your life like with this doubt like this that you described planted in your life and just never waver but like keep moving toward it keep moving forward and really just like conquering it Mm -hmm. um that's very it's very amazing thank you so much I really feel for all of these children in our school system in America because it is just so painful how we develop this identity, as you're saying, from a place that, you know, it's, it's just a shame to look back on, you know, on my child self and you know, it, and to understand how many years it took to break that, and, you know, like you said, like head on, like really working, understanding that this was something that I'm dealing with and going after it. And now, you know, 20 years, more than 20 years later, you know, I'm still conquering that. So I think that I think that we really need to talk about this and we need to infiltrate the education system with love and kindness for everybody. Everybody's capacity should be encompassed in our education system without making people feel less than or stupid. So I think that we have a long way to go and I'm glad that, you know, we're actually doing, making you know, it feels like we're making progress by just talking about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think that a diagnosis can be a really good thing, can be a really positive thing for a lot of people at a, at a young age. It can help kids understand what they're going through and why they why they feel like they are operating in a different way or thinking in a different way, different, you know, quote unquote, as in not conventional perhaps, but... Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's so much stigma, of course, around mental health and mental illness, which is what we're hoping to combat with this up or with this um, podcast experience. And I just, I think that sometimes diagnoses really wear on someone's sense of self or their their self confidence and that kind of thing. And I don't think that, that I don't think it should be seen as a negative thing. I think a diagnosis can be really helpful in a lot of ways to further understand oneself. For sure, yeah, hundred percent. You know, in my case, I didn't, I didn't ever have a diagnosis. Um, you know, I recognized later in life that I was experiencing depression and anxiety. You know, through this paralyzing academic doubt that I was, you know, engulfed in 
until I was able to, you know, to really work through it and defeat it. Um, but for the, you know, for my, for my child self, you know, even without any type of, of diagnosis, you know, and, and I, I went through a lot. Yeah. So that just shows me that, you know, there's, everybody's going through a lot. Right. That's the the question that comes up. I, I'd love to talk with the two of you about stigma a little bit and why we feel like there's so much stigma around these topics. Like if everyone's going through something, which everyone really is ultimately, like why does everyone fear fear it so much and fear talking about it and shame, you know, shame folks who are going through things when they find out that they are and that, that sort of thing. And how do we work to dismantle it is the bigger question, I think, too. Well, I think our personal story, our experiences are one way that we can in a very powerful way. Um, I also think to change our perception um, of the other, you know, if we can, if we can have a perspective that comes from there is no other, that we all are each other, that we're actually, you know, just one living human family, um, then that really gets to, you know, go out the door. And, and I know that it's, you know, at this point in our, you know, human history, we've come through a lot of really damaging ideologies. And I, I hope that our generation will take the charge to embrace each other. And so whatever really we can do to say, hey, we're on each other's team and, um, you know, living in this society, of course, it's, it, it has, you know, an overarching ideology of, you know, as in, I'm just speaking from like the American um, capitalist ideology, it, it feeds on our abilities to separate and to downplay, um, you know, the human experience. Um, so, you know, what I believe is that it's going to take all of our efforts every day to break down these really harmful um, ways that we have, you know, lived for many, many years, especially in this country. Totally. What do you think? I'll also just say that I, I think that in terms of saying, like, other experiences, like, there's very much so, like, we go through different things from one another. Like, you know, I go through something different from someone who lives in a totally different, like, type of neighborhood in a different city in a different place in the world mm-hmm. and has had different you know different a different upbringing so to speak or like so we go through different things from one another but ultimately we're all having this human experience which I think is what you're referring to like in right. the bigger picture and um, there are different things that can lead us to mental health breakdowns 
that all are very different from one another, but the results can often be the same. And I think that that's what, like, not necessarily the focus needs to be on, but recognizing that, like, oh, we're we're experiencing something that is the same. We've had different roads that have gotten us to this place, but what we're experiencing is the same. So how do we work together to combat it and, and heal from it? Yeah, there's a lot there. Yeah, I think, like, a really big forward movement for us for the future, and it's, like, something that we're probably all starting to really feel is just, like, this shift from pure individualistic thinking and operating inside of our society and especially, like, in our country, for example, and in America. So it's just something I've been that's been on my mind lately, like, within a family system or, like, something like a academic environment where singular people become like specific and they become singled out, you know, for having specific type of issue. Um, and it becomes very clear and it like, it has to do with the way that we function where we're like looking at one another, like in a competitive way, almost as if we're like working against one another. And that's something that um, I think is just like, it's been kind of embedded inside of our way of life for a while but it's shifting like I feel like we're very much at like a juncture now where we're starting to tip just like a tipping point where we're just starting to see the reality of mm -hmm. what life is like when we are thinking as one and just like moving forward in that general in a in a direction that's like generally like we're just trying to unite and be unified and actually just like look out for one another which to me in my life feels like new, although I'm sure many people have operated differently throughout their life. But um, it feels like this this response, this type of shift is really what can start to heal. Like when we talk about a stigma or like a specific person having a diagnosis inside of something like a family or academia, for example. Um, and I've been in academia for a long time as well. Rachel, I know that you were mentioning that you're still inside of your academic journey. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just something I would notice where just like the general ed environment, like it just kind of sets you up for different things, right? Like it might set you up to look at your classmates as your competition. Mm -hmm. And it's just like there's many ways that this idea is embedded into our current society. And it's also, mm -hmm. it's always, it's very much and entirely possible to shift this. And I think that's what we're like all kind of starting to really address right now and see the difference when we don't operate from that place internally. So I guess just to to bring us back, because I know you had mentioned like for the, for 20 years, like you gave that time window, like you've been in this endeavor, you know, where you had the original doubt planted the seed, you know, when you were younger, it's very much like there's an essence to the reality that you're a part of a, a, an environment that's contributing to your experience, you know, and it's, the thing is about a system like academia is it's no one person. That's like we can try to look at, is it the teachers? No, is it like the other students? It's very complex, but it's ultimately just the way the whole thing is functioning together. Mm -hmm. um, but just to bring it back to the now through your journey, I guess um, Alex and I would love to like start to unpack um, just how your what your life looks like now, and you started to talk about it a little bit with the work that you have been doing recently, and so we wanted to just introduce to you too, um, because there's a really beautiful concept that's behind this project, the Bridge to Branches pro uh, podcast, and it's called the Love Revolution, and inside of this is a 
a three, like a triangulated three, three branched, like three prong system that has, they're referred to as the three S's. So I'm just letting you, I'm just bringing it up right now just so that you're aware and that you can kind of like answer, you know, moving forward with these three S's in mind. And so the three S's are, Alex, you can help me out, but um, yeah. science, spirituality, and social justice. So the idea for this project is to see how like we have our personal bridge, that's our life, and then like we do our own healing and repair as we move through our own journey and the branches part is we move from our own bridge outward, you know, into these branches that branch out into society and how our own bridge, our own journey goes outward and impacts. So we're really looking at, like, how you've accomplished what you have with your own healing journey. And so then the three S's are those three branches that go outward. And those are just the three that we're using, which, again, is science, spirituality, and social justice. Alex, is, am I correct on those? Yeah, yeah, totally. And they can, they affect so much. Like there's so many, there's so much impact that they have and they branch out kind of infinitely because they affect pretty much everything. Everyone has some experience with one of those topics, either from personal lived experience or from their studies. People all know about at least one of those topics, if not two, if not all three, in some deep way. So we're curious how um, you kind of bridge, find your way into those three topics and how you bridge them in your life and in your work that you do in the world. Mm -hmm. Sure. Thank you so much. This is a great question. Um, and I love this idea of being able to, you know, use your past and your bridges to affect the future um, mm -hmm. in a conscious way. So I really love that. Um, so for me, um, I believe that it started when I became aware of, of spirituality. Um, this is what was the, the change factor for me um, coming out of a place where I felt powerless into a place where I was able to take responsibility for my life and begin to change um, the negative mental thought patterns that I, you know, had planted or been experiencing since, um, since childhood. So um, I was pretty much at the darkest point in my life. Um, where I was um, just slipping and not able to, because I didn't have a spiritual foundation, I, I didn't feel that I had any firm ground to stand on. And I had been believing that I was incapable of, academically performing to be able to meet my goal of becoming um, a dental student. And this was, this was very difficult for me, um, panic attacks, um, just, you know, substance abuse because of depression, um, these, all of these, you know, things that can actually lead to really serious um, effects where 
um, I started pretty much kind of calling out. Um, in a way, I start. I was checking books out from the library on meditation. I was, um, you know, like writing about how I needed to gain balance in my life. There was something there that told me this is not who you are. You know, you are, even though the narrative in my mind was, oh, you're incapable, in my, in my deep-seated spirit, I knew that I was capable. So I started um, to call into my life something that was deeper and going to help me through this. And at the time, I was living with, in Knoxville, Tennessee, going to University of Tennessee, um, living with uh, my best friend at the time, and when she saw me struggling through this and just really, really deeply suffering, she decided to tell me about a practice that her family um, used. She had grown up with this practice of Buddhism, and so she helped start my spiritual journey where before I didn't, you know, I was raised um, Christian, but I wasn't, um, you know, reading or practicing Christianity, and there was some conflict that I had um, with the that religion in general, and it just didn't really connect to me. I didn't feel connected in a way that I could use it to better my life. So when I started learning about Buddhism and I felt like things were things made sense to me and they, I found, you know, this this really wonderful organization, um, I started using it. So the practice is chanting Nam Myoho Renge Kyo and what I did was I just believed in it and tried it, you know, like I didn't I didn't know what was happening because this is my first, you know, entrance into spirituality. But what I saw was that it, it calmed me down and made me feel better. So I really jumped in. Like, I started chanting, like, three hours a day um, just from the beginning. And um, through that practice, it took me 10 years to eradicate that seed of doubt that had been planted in my life when I was like in third grade. So I attribute, you know, this this breakthrough, me being able to see and transform my life tendencies or my karma through opening my mind and that was that was a very deep journey for me so yeah well i think it's just so amazing what you said um just from the very beginning with like how you had you called upon this thing like there was something in your life that from this deep from this place that's like almost maybe even a place beyond what you understand that knows that this is not your truth even though to think from a young age you had been living with this as your truth, you know, as part of right. your identity. So that's very profound, you know, in terms of like conscious awareness 
and to be able to see almost like through the veil in that way and to then like seek something in a way that like is really from this place of knowing even if you don't even understand how it is that you know this or why you know it um but then also to just like think that this type of experience this huge like degree of suffering from this place that's like from the place beyond you know to actually think that you started to seek because you were in that place you know you went to that place and then you seek because you're there so there's always this like degree of like very deep transformation that can occur that is like it's asked upon us it's like asked of our life as a result sometimes um like from as a result of this type of deep suffering so in that sense like you went like the 10 year period that you described is like this huge experience of just like needing to go through something and i'm sure you have just learned so many things along this way along the way and along this like journey um just like you have from your experiences you have gained things that are significant and that you needed to gain. And I, I don't really know exactly what your future holds, but I'm sure there's so many like miraculous things you're about to do. And like just having this seed planted in your life so early and then like being with this de- determination to face it and not just like turn or turn from it, you know, which is like, there's many forms that that could take um, many that it could be quite scary, but just think that you actually went through this whole thing. Um, so I guess I'll just I can ask a, a question, but I want to just open it up, Alex, in case there's anything you want to follow up with here. Yeah, I I hear that. Um, I think it's really beautiful that you happen to not happen to. Maybe it was an intentional thing in some you know wild cosmic way, but that you stumbled upon Buddhism because Buddhism feels to me like a religion that asks more self-inquiry of the of the student of the practitioner than potentially other religions and i think that's something that is so necessary that level of self-inquiry um that comes about when someone is really seeking and wanting to find healing and truth and uh validation and affirmation and all these things that help us to understand ourselves so i think it's really beautiful and wonderful and mystical and all these other, you know, amazing things that you found Buddhism, especially coming away from an experience that had you turning away from a different religion because it didn't really suit what you were looking for. So I'm glad that you find you found what you needed for sure. Thank you so much. Yeah, it feels um I just feel so fortunate to have a sense of mission in my life um, that I can, you know, that I've always been able to connect with because I felt this mission as a small child to be able to help people with their with their dental health. And, you know, from there, that's always been my my motivation like i just have to be able to help people in this way and this is my passion this is what makes my heart sing so by any means necessary i'm going to have to accomplish that and that 
in a way, that sense of mission, you know, led to this suffering. Oh, I'm not good enough. I, I won't ever be able to, you know, attain my mission, you know, which is just ludicrous because the process is attaining the mission. Mm-hmm. However, what it did was it pushed me, like you both are saying, to find myself. You know, we think we know ourselves, you know, and then we have to break that down and then we have to relearn. And then at what level are, do we know ourselves? And it's really this, the most amazing, you know, thing we could do is to look deeper at ourselves. And I just appreciate Buddhism so much for helping me do that in a way that you know, is sustainable, is healthy. That has, yeah, that has been my experience with spirituality. And it, and in the same way, you know, aligning with the universe's rhythm has helped me to uncover, you know, how I work in social justice and that mission of just, social justice and dentistry for me. Hmm. I'm curious, Rachel, is there a connection that you see between mental health and dental health in terms of like... Oh, 100%. In all aspects, really. Um, Your emotional health comes from whether you feel good about yourself, right? So if you're in pain, your emotional self is going to, you know, be compromised. Um, Your self-efficacy, how you feel about yourself, whether you can do certain things, whether you can get a job, you know, these things depend on your dental health um, and your dental status, whether you have teeth or not. Um, how you digest your food, what if you have an infection that that bacteria going into your bloodstream at a rate that can kill you. So um, that you know, just physical health, um, and you know, these things over a long period of time can definitely determine your uh, mental health. So, yes, I feel like it is um, just critically linked. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I'm really glad you asked that question, Alex. And I think that's just so interesting, Um, just like coming from the mental health perspective, just with how so much of our identity is just wrapped up in our mind and then, like, in something like our Keith, I just hadn't really thought about it in that way. I really appreciate you just bringing that to to my my personal attention. Um, just in, like it's just so it's just so front in terms of our like physical identity, you know, our appearance. So mm-hmm. I definitely see a great link there, and I um, I appreciate you bringing that up, Alex. Definitely, yeah. It's not a connection you think of very often, but I was like, I'm sure Rachel would. Make the make this connection, and she yeah, yeah, definitely makes it really something something that I think about every day. Um, 
because people can't be at their best if they're in pain, especially with a toothache. Um, it can it can be it can take you know everything out of you, um, and I believe that this um, country has done a very poor job at taking care of all of the population's oral health. And that's something that is unjust to me, that people that deserve health care, that every single citizen in the world, I believe, mm -hmm. um, that is experiencing a life-threatening infection or condition um, and they can't obtain dental health care is um, is a real problem. And I just don't think that my profession has done everything that they could to create and sustain community dental centers for people that don't have commercial insurance and have Medicaid. Um, mm -hmm. So this, you know, this knowing that the health of our underserved populations are compromised because of their dental health status is impetus for me to do the work that I do. And you know, when you're in the dental field, you know, people will ask you for advice and they'll ask you to help them get into a dental clinic um, to, you know, to navigate them in a way that works for, for them. And so I just feel, you know, this calling to be able to support somebody's whole health through you know the the kind of the first thing that people see, which is which is their mouth. Um, so I didn't, you know, as a kid, I didn't think about all this, but you know now where I'm at today, I feel so passionate about it. Like it's just everything that I want to do, um, and it's something that is a really big. Um, goal for me to influence my country's underserved population's ability to get dental care. Yes. Oh, yes. This is awesome, Rachel. And you're in such a good place for it, too, um, being so close to Detroit. I know that you um, have worked in Detroit and um, helped those those populations in Detroit who really need dental care. Um, how does this affect, this is like a, the bigger question, like how does this affect the planet as a whole? Does this all connect in some way to um, benefit for the planet? Like the connection between mental health and dental health and healing and how does this affect the world? Yeah, I think so. I think it does. I think it does affect um, the world because, you know, helping someone out of out of pain and getting them the right um, care for 
their you know oral health can can really help people in their own life and like we were saying to to understand that we're all connected as a human family and so if one person's pain is our pain then you know and if one person's oppression is all of our oppression um then we really need to focus on on population health initiatives to obtain care for all and what i've been you know through my master's thesis and what i'm working on now is um, obtaining a higher level of dental care for people that are re-entering society after they get out of um, jail and prison for specifically this re-entry population and what I know from my research is that most people have dental pain within this population. Wow. And because of the lack of community dental clinics, the option for this population is just to go to the emergency room. And nationally, um, the U.S. has a really big problem with this. We spend $2.4 billion a year on emergency dental room treatment, which doesn't actually fix the problem at all. It just puts a Band-Aid on it by, you know, prescribing people painkillers and antibiotics. But what, you know, we as the dental field know is that you need to treat that root cause. You need to fix that tooth that is diseased. You can do that in a number of ways. So by not allowing the population access to a dentist, you're putting them into at risk, number one, and then, you know, number two, you're actually spending more money on it as a as a country. So um you know, I do have political goals to be able to incorporate dentistry into our community health um, work. And, you know, personally, I have been able to work on different projects where I have been able to start up clinics, um, one in Pontiac and one in Detroit, and I'm working on another within um, a homeless agency in Detroit. But um, but more importantly, like bringing awareness to prevention is the most, you know, is, is kind of um, where I see myself and where my journey has brought me currently. So instead of um, going to dental school, I went to dental hygiene school. And currently I'm in the University of Michigan's dental school within their dental hygiene program to be able to prevent the disease from happening. And I wanna do this on a very large scale. So I want to be able to educate everyone and, um, and be able to be part of, you know, this population health initiative where people have access to 
healthy nutri nutritional-based foods and understand the risks of sugar and have a dental cleaning um, at least annually. So this is um, along with my master's in public health and my dental hygiene license, um, which I'll be getting um, next year around this time. Um, yeah, it just, it just has been able, um, it's just made me look at my life in a, an ethical and sustainable way. You know, how do I want to practice dentistry? Well, I don't want to just go around cleaning up the disease and reaping the benefits financially from that. I want mm -hmm. to stop the disease from happening in the first place, which we can do with education and preventative measures. Yes. And so much of what you're saying, I just like, I'm hearing it. And I'm like, this is so metaphorical for society in terms of how you said like earlier, like that certain dental clinics are just, it's just like putting a Band-Aid on it. And what you need to do is treat like the root cause. I think about like the education system in our society and like all That's these right. things, you know, it's like there's so many ways that go back to the three S's that these three facets or tiers need to like work together, um, social justice, sustainability, and spirituality, and like the, the um, topics within them, because they span outward so much, can all come together. And I can just, I see this like society working fluidly and in a just manner and so that everyone has what they need. And I think that that's like, it starts, it's, in so many ways, it's mental health, um, as I think we've kind of shown here with this with this epic interview today. Um, Ariel, do you have anything you want to share? We should start wrapping up, I think, pretty soon. But yeah, just a final thought, and thank you, Rachel, for sharing everything that you said at the end. There, um, the final direction would always be to take us into the future, and I know that you're someone that very much like understands the potential that your life holds that, you know, that life itself holds. So I was very excited to hear your response to that. And just with what you said about finding the root cause and Alex, I love the way you wove in all of the S's and it just made me think about your, like your philosophy on life, Rachel, and the way that you see transformation happen in the world and with your specific track. Um, I see it as the same as the way that you approach your spiritual transformation just at the root and i just see that type of like like you mentioned kar karmic or tendency transformation and to think that something at the root level is possible to transform that that generates a lot of hope and we see it we can see it in the metaphysical realm but then when you bring it out to just the, the type of work you're doing it's the same thing just inside of our it's inside of our society in the physical realm we can see it we can see and just like that you are working in dentistry it's just so perfect that you have literal um root transformation that needs mm -hmm. to occur it's just a such a perfect metaphor um for that type of transformation so i really i applaud you and i'm really happy to hear your plan especially with the reentry population it's uh, very significant so thank you okay Thank you. Um, so I would just to share and hear it, you know, from from myself, but also, you know, 
hear your ideas about it too. I I really appreciate it because it, I spend a lot of time, you know, on this work. So definitely. Well, it's not it's not unheard. Like we're definitely applauding you and we're with you and thank you so much. Is there any other things that you'd like to kind of add before we sign off for the day? Like um, other causes you'd like to promote or anything at all you'd like to add about what you're doing now in the world? Um, I really just, I really just want to say to everyone who's listening, just don't give up on yourself. Um, Don't give up on other people. I really, um, you know, know that all of this is going to take time for us to work through whatever we're, you know, dealing with now um, as far as, like, mental health battles, struggles, um, really all that wraps up into it. But, like, it really is about sustaining hope and continuing to move forward, even if it's just, like, one tiny baby step at a time um, because, you know, what I've said today and what I've, I've shared um, through my journey is the, the basic point was that I didn't give up on myself, you know, and um, I didn't surround myself um, by people who were giving up on me either. You know, I'm my number one advocate, and I'm, I feel so strong in that, but I also had to, you know, develop that. So, um, you know, this, this self-disciplined practice of, um, of study and, of, you know, work and, you know, the disciplines that we, you know, are choosing for our lives, whatever is most, you know, connected and um, natural for us. But I know how much, because I've been through it, how much effort it takes. And I just want to say, don't give up on yourself. Like, keep going. If it's your dream, don't stop for anything. Mental health affects us all. If you are feeling suicidal, please call the suicide hotline at 1-800-273-8255. A great human revolution in just a single individual will help achieve a change in the destiny of a nation and further will enable a change in the destiny of all humankind. Daisaku Ikeda. Thank you to the city of Detroit, where we record this podcast each week. To Ayla Nario for the use of her beautiful song. And to our listeners who may be struggling with mental health issues. May this podcast serve as a light in what can often be a very dark night. Catch you next time on the Bridge to Branches podcast. Mm-hmm.